Hey there, fellow travelers of the Junland Wastes. Mark back here for the Traveling the Junland Wastes podcast, the TJW podcast for February 23rd, 2023. And I'm greeting you on a pretty snowy day here in southeastern New England. Uh, if you look out at my window here, there is, uh, you know, the snow seems to be lightening up a little bit. We got, you know, somewhat Hoth-like conditions here, although not as severe as, as, as Hoth. But then again, it is February in southeastern New England, so what do you expect? It is Thursday, which means that uh, the next episode of Bad Batch came out yesterday, Wednesday, the 22nd, 2023. Episode 10, this episode is called Retrieval. So where we last left the Bad Batch, the Bad Batch was uh, trying to contact Sid to get off this planet because a poacher had come and taken the Marauder uh, from under their noses, basically. So Sid said she will try to find a way to get him back, but this doesn't stop the Bad Batch from trying to figure out a plan to get to some sort of town or city on this planet so that they can either send out, I guess, communication or try to find a ship that they can take to get off the planet and get back to Sid. So when the, when, the, when the show opens here, and of course they open again with another just gorgeous, gorgeous shot of a landscape of the planet. I mean, it is something to see. Even the barrenness of it is, is, is really stunning to, to see there. And you can see the Bad Batch, they're here at that, uh, almost looks like a, a, a small tech station of sorts. Or maybe like, you know, a small garage area where maybe ships at one time either fueled up or they maybe, they have a communications array there. So maybe it was a checkpoint at one time. But uh, you can tell the Bad Batch is tired. They're tired. They're hungry. Um, they're trying to figure out how can they get to some sort of town. So they see that there is, it looks like either a skiff or a speeder bike there that they're they're working on. All three of the uh, Bad Batch guys are working on that. Uh, but Omega has the idea that perhaps while they can't track the uh, the Marauder because of whatever whatever you know tracking device the uh the poacher took off the uh the ship before it took off she said that she said that gonky the power droid that they have inside the uh the marauder um they could probably track him and tech thinks that's a really good idea and tells her to take her you know her, her tablet her ipad you know stick it into the <laughs> communications array and see what she can do with that we go back to the ship and we see the ship uh being piloted by a young boy we find out his name is Benny. He takes off his helmet, and the thing that I noticed first was he had these tattooed marks on his neck. Um, I have a theory about that I might mention later on in my explanation here. But anywho, so he's there. We find out that uh, you know that he is uh, you know he is taking this uh, you know no ship to somewhere closer to I guess like the town or the inner city uh, on this planet. You see the you see the Marauder, you know, land. It parks, and then as he gets off out of the uh, out of the pilot seat, he notices something on the floor of the uh, the Marauder there, and it looks like it. I mean, you, he picks it up. It's it's a, it's a dusty old piece of food ration, um, but he's excited about it. He blows off the dust and he starts eating it, which which you know the first thought in your head has got to be, wow, this kid must be really really hungry if he's picking up food off the floor like that, dirty old rations, and and he's eating it. He must be really really hungry. As he steps off the ship, we end up meeting Mako. Mako is the uh, basically the crime lord on this uh, on this part of the planet, or the overlord of this of this part of the planet. And it looks like he comes he he, he approaches the ship with some uh, guard droids and regular guards, and uh, he is you know like I said I think he's the overlord of, of of this situation here. Sort of reminded me a little bit of Lady Proxima 
from uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, how all the all the young people were there trying to collect stuff to bring to Blady Proxima so that they could either, I guess, earn money or food or whatever they were doing. But it's a similar type of situation. So uh, Benny asks if he's going to be the top earner now that he's brought this big ship there. And Mako says, well, we'll see. Okay. Uh, Benny is also a little bit uh, hungry and thirsty. So um, Mako says to him, oh, you're thirsty? And he takes the water bottle he drinks what we assume is a pretty good amount in that water bottle and then gives like the little small amount at the end of the bottle to to Benny who drinks it really thirstily. You know, you can tell he thinks that he's hungry, he's thirsty, he's tired. Um, but uh, Mako tells him, you know, Benny, you know, you're a good kid. I'll let you even keep the droid, okay? So he gets the droid and leftover water, which really shows what what a real what a real crime lord this guy is. Um, Omega is able to find and track down uh, the power droid and the Bad Batch is able to fix the speeder and is able to, to hop on there and head into town and try and they're able to locate where this uh, where their ship is uh, they finally they find Gonky and they uh, are able to confront Benny as they enter into the city and Benny tells the Bad Batch that Mako is the town boss he says that at one time the Techno Union were the owners of this area and I guess they were uh, part of doing all that um, all that mining for that Ipsium that they were talking about last week uh, but I guess after the war uh, Mako took over as the as the ruling figure of that part of town where that is what he is that's that's his uh, thing he, he he mines Ipsium and in in the force that he uses it to, to do that are all these uh, young kids and teenagers who work for him so the uh, the Bad Batch have to find a way to break into this place and get to the ship. And the only way they're going to be able to do this, do this is by going down this exhaust shaft that uh, every few moments spews out all this fire and smoke. So they time it correctly and all three of them are able to rappel down, which was actually a pretty cool scene uh, seeing Hunter going down that uh, that rappelling wire down, down the shaft. It was really cool to see, I think. Um, almost looked like a little bit like the uh, the carpet freezing chamber in uh, Cloud City. Um, so they end up going down the shaft. They do end up finding the uh, the the, uh, the the ship. Although as they're sneaking around to get to the ship, um, you see a whole bunch of like the uh, the young kids and the, uh, the the teenagers and whoever you know the workforce is uh, in the mines working, going up and down these shafts. Um, gave me a little, little, you know, you know, sort of like a remembrance of what happened in uh, Temple of Doom when you see the enslaved children working there in the mines in that movie. Um, Benny ends up leading them to the ship. They see that the hyperdrive has been uh, removed from the ship, so they got to fix that. They need to repair the ship, uh, but they are also in the need as well too to get the uh, shield down um, from where the, I guess, from that area where the ship is, so that they can get out. So Benny and Omega says that they can, they can or, or Benny says that he can help Omega get to the control room where they can shut the shield down or at least get the information that they can send over to Tech and then Tech can like somehow through his uh, abilities be able to fool the, or, 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 or crack into the uh, system and, and shut the shield down. So um, Mako is there. Okay, we see. This is an interesting uh, scene. It's it's really gross, but it, it, it says a lot. Um, he's there in his office, 
eating all this slop. That's all I could call it, is slop. This this gross stuff in, in, in a pot along with some other things on a skewer. Um, it doesn't look the most most delectable stuff, but that's all that they can have to eat, I guess, there on that on that planet. But, uh, you know, he's there sitting with his... It looks like maybe he has his feet up on the chair or something, and he is just, like, you know, scoffing down all this gross food. Okay, so they need to get the access codes, and... Uh, him and Omega, they you know they they end up going to uh, sneaking into that area where the gang, I guess like the uh, the teenagers and so forth, who collect stuff for uh, for Mako, they are are waiting to see who's won the contest this week uh, of who's earned the most. So Mako comes out of his office after having this big huge you know meal. And uh, he he's saying he, he's proud, you know. He he says like you know that uh, the winner of this is, and I think the, the the winner says Drake. Drake is the top earner for for this week, and he presents him with a bowl of soup. And the kid just takes the soup. He doesn't even use the spoon, maybe for the first few bites of it or sips of it, and then he just scoffs it down by drinking it down. And then he said, Mako says, well, I'm going to take care of all of you, even though you didn't become top burners here. Here's your bowl of soup. And he takes one bowl of soup and puts it on the table. And all these other, like, you know, you know 10, 15, you know, kids going after that bowl of soup with, with, with spoons, trying to get as much as they can eat. Really sad to see that the payment that they're getting is this is this slop. Like, that's how they, they survive. Um, the, this inner circle of teenagers who are working for, for Mako, they got to... Uh, you know, they're, they're part of this, like, contest, I guess, each week where if they don't... Whoever's the top earner, they're the ones who are going to get the slop for that for that week. Really sad. It was, uh, you know, just a, a, a very sobering scene, if you if you could say that. as A, that, a sobering scene in this, uh, in this episode of Bad Batch. Um, so they're able to, they're able to, to sneak through Benny and... Uh, and Omega, they get to the uh, the act to, to the computer room where they're able to get the access codes. Um, he's beginning to see that and that that Omega is a really a good person, and that she actually cares for his well-being. And she's a little bit dismayed as, at the same time that he thinks or she 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 sees that he thinks that this is the only life that he can have. I mean, at this point in the story, yeah, it is the only life he can have, um, being being a slave to this uh, to this overlord. So um, she gives him a, a clean ration bar. She sees that he is uh, hungry. He's hungry and she hands him over a clean ration bar. Um, during this time as well, too, as he's eating it, she says that uh, she's noticing, at least from the data that she's downloading, that the Ipsium that they have been, uh, that they have been mining is not degraded. So they are actually mining very pure Ipsium, which pays a whole lot more than Ipsium, which is not degraded. And uh, her, her theory is that Mako has been lying to all of them, saying that while he tells them all, we're going to share in the reward for all of the, uh, the glories of, of mining this Ipsium, um, and telling them that it's a degraded, it's degraded, we don't make as much money as we should, but uh, one day we'll get there. Um, we find out that all their Ipsium has been has been very uh, you know pure, and they are making a lot of or or I should say Mako is making a lot of money on it, and he's not sharing it with anybody. So this leads us here to where we see that uh, Benny starts getting a little bit suspicious or starts wondering, you know, what should his next move be? His next move is that he he alerts Mako to uh, that that they now have 
something they can use as leverage against the Bad Batch from leaving the, uh, the planet, and that is Omega. Pull a little bit forward here, we see that uh, Benny has given up Omega to Mako, and they take him into the uh, the bridge across that big chasm. Again, it looks a lot like Temple of Doom, <laughs> where we saw uh, Indy and, and uh, on that on that on that bridge as he chops it down, uh, sending uh, Molaram to his to his death. Um, you know, Mako threatens to toss Omega into the chasm if the Bad Batch doesn't put down their their guns. So Benny then shows up a little bit, a couple moments later, and tells everybody that Maka has been lying to them, that the uh, Ipsium has been pure. Um, this ends up turning into a situation where, you know, pretty cool, cool, cool uh, you know, action scene here. You know, they, they, you know, Omega somehow pushes the droid that has been holding her over the edge into the chasm. As she falls, Hunter's able to go and fly through the air uh, on the rope, I think, and to grab her and to save her. And uh, Moko says, uh, you know, after Benny has told everybody that Moko's been lying and that we're all, we've, we've all been like deceived, Moko says, that's not true. And, and, and he's waiting for somebody to call on his side, whether it's the droids or whether it's some of the other uh, kids or, teen, or teenagers who are there on the bridge with him. And the interesting thing is, is that somehow, you know, the scuffle happens and he ends up tipping himself over over the bridge he's hanging on by his fingernails it almost looks like and uh, who's there to uh, try to save him is Benny he says grab my hand and I'll help you even though Mako has been an absolute horrible individual to them it really shows that I think some somewhere down deep Benny has a has a good soul on him and uh, just because of uh, the circumstances he was in and forced to do he did things he didn't want to do uh, but uh, but what happens is, is that he's not able to uh, to, to, to save Mako. He slips, he falls into the chasm, and he meets his demise. Um, the Bad Batch get back their ship, and uh, Benny says he's going to stay on the uh, the planet, and that they're now all going to uh, you know split all the profits equally, and they're all going to eat well, and things are going to be fine. Bad Batch gets on the Marauder, and they leave, and that is the episode. Um, it was a better. I, I thought this episode was 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 pretty good. Um, also, another adventure of the week, but it was nice that it was a continuation of the uh, story from last week. Last week's story was okay. Um, not the most exciting one, I have to admit. Um, this one had a little bit more action in it. It had a little bit more of a story that I thought was interesting. I like how they mentioned that the, uh, you know, the Empire, while the Empire's rule is, is, is ruling the galaxy, um, there are small pockets of, you know, overlords and evil people who are controlling their own pockets of, of, of their own set galaxies of their own galaxies in a sense so um, but uh, I think tech tells Omega and while, while she she comes to that realization that there are just so many different evil forces out there tech says you know that might be but there's also people like us as well too who are trying to make things right which I thought was a very powerful uh, statement to make at the end of this episode that the Bad Batch um, they really are, you know, as they're coming together as a team, as a squad, or as Omega would say, like as a family, um, they are really showing a lot of their humanity and sort of like transcending just what, you know, as their, their, their makeup of a clone would be, you know? It's, uh, yeah, we know that they're the, uh, the, the special forces, uh, you know, clones that had like different anomalies in them as, as they were being cloned. But uh, it, it, it seems like they are finding their humanity 
um, in this show, which I think is 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 the bigger overriding maybe uh, story arc in 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 this series. So uh, yeah, it was an okay episode. Um, I am hoping that next week we are going to start getting uh, again some more episodes that we saw like uh, a couple beforehand that had of a more of like you know uh, canonical consequences as I would call it uh, to the series. A little bit more about uh, the Empire, a little bit more about Rampart, a little bit more with Palpatine. Um, I'm wondering if we're going to be seeing any other big major characters besides Palpatine uh, in this series uh, coming up. Um, be interesting to know. But anywho, that was this week's uh, Bad Batch episode. Let me know what you think about that episode. Send me a message on the Traveling the Jalen Waste Facebook message page, I should say. Or I should say, go to the Facebook page and message me there with your thoughts. I'd love to hear it. Um, a couple other things I wanted to mention here on this uh, Lunch Break Coffee Cast. Uh, we got more uh, star- more guests showing up at Star Wars Celebration Europe uh, this, uh, this April. Uh, Samantha Aline, who played a stormtrooper in Solo, Andor, The Force Awakens, and was a resistance pilot in The Rise of Skywalker. She's going to be there. Her autograph, it looks like, is $40. Uh, Brian Harry, who is who puppet, who is the puppeteer behind BB-8, $55. And Carl Weathers, Gruff Karga, $119. Well... I guess he commands 119. Not only Krefkar, I mean, God, Apollo Creed. Okay, let's just say it as it is. I look at, I look at Carl Weathers, and I think, I think Apollo Creed. Uh, maybe that's also because I was just watching the other, the other day, uh, Rocky and Rocky Two. Um, but anywho, uh, uh, one other thing I wanted to mention here, talk about. Like I said, um, if you could do this and it doesn't hurt you, uh, you know, so bad in the pocketbook or in the wallet, I guess it's okay. But, uh, you know, uh, Official Picks is putting out uh, this really beautiful 13 by 19 Obi-Wan Vader print uh, as uh, Ewan and Hayden are going to be at Star Wars Celebration Europe in April. Um, with just <laughs> with just their, their signatures on that piece, it's a beautiful piece. Um, you, I think you're starting off at, uh, you know, somewhere between 600 and 630 some odd dollars before shipping. Um, if you were to get the whole thing, the whole smack of like, you know, personalization and a quote added on by, by each of them, I mean, you're, you're, you're getting close to $1,500 or even more for, for that. They sold some, I think, uh, online that sold out very quickly, but I think they're also going to be having uh, some of these available for purchase at the show as well, too. Um, like I said, it's uh, I, I am just flabbergasted at the amount uh, that that these autograph prices have 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 gone up. It doesn't seem, at least, like I said, maybe we'll do a show about this one time. It just doesn't seem like feasible for the for the normal uh, working guy to be or working gal to be able to, uh, to 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 pay for this and even go to the show. I mean, you have a choice: go to the show, get the autograph. Uh, you want to be able to go to the show and get the autograph, but. Um, I don't know. Maybe we can have a discussion about that as as, as well too. Although I do see um, for for such uh, for some of the non Star Wars conventions, uh, the more fan like fan expos that are going around the are, are starting up. Uh, you know, this season it seems like their 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 autograph prices are a little bit more. Um, I don't know if you'd call the word reasonable, but they are a little bit more. Uh, or I should say, not as expensive as what you would find, I think, at Celebration. So, to each his own. Uh, let me know what you think about that as well, too. Send me a message. I'd love to hear what, what your thoughts are about that. Um, one other thing I also wanted to mention as well, too. Um, Liam Neeson said in an interview uh, this past week, or maybe last week, with uh, Paul Rudd on his podcast, he said, 
you know, they asked him, every time Liam Neeson gets interviewed, he's always being asked, I guess, you know, are you going to play Qui-Gon again? And we did see him re, re, you know, you know, replay Qui-Gon at the end of uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Very short, but it was great to see Qui-Gon there. Um, but he said to, to him, when they asked him about, like, you know, do you ever want to play Qui-Gon Jinn again? He said, well, not in a spin-off TV series. He, he was really not interested. He said, maybe a film, maybe a film if we were going back into time to see, like, earlier version of, of Qui-Gon. And he goes, uh, you know, there's so many spin-offs. This is this is uh, Liam Neeson saying this. So many spin-offs of, of Star Wars that it's it's diluting it to me, and it's uh, taking away the mystery and the magic in a weird way. Um, I'm not going to say he's completely wrong. <laughs> I, I think he's onto something here. Um, well, I certainly love it that we have new Star Wars coming out, and uh, it, it's great to see it. Um, the question is, is, is there any price that is being paid um, creatively in the story uh, when all of it comes out so incredibly fast? There's no time to digest something and to anticipate the next set of Star Wars, which is coming up. Which is what we had with the, uh, with, with the prequels, with the sequels, even though we had during this time as well two Clone Wars. Um, there was we didn't have Disney Plus at the time, and we were waiting for for Disney Plus to come out with Mandalorian. But um, uh, we were anticipating the movies. That was the big thing that we were anticipating. Um, maybe the same thing can be said for the uh, for the novels as well too. They do they are coming out at a pretty quick clip, um, the, especially the High Republic novels. I keep saying I gotta try to like reread reread that first novel and that second novel again because I really wasn't able to get find myself getting pulled into that universe. I don't know if it's just because it is just so far removed from what I know. But then again, you know, the, the Knights of the Old Republic era was really far removed from the Skywalker saga. But at the same time, I just feel that they connected in some way that Drew Carpition was able to write the story that was able to hit all those Star Wars tropes that you like to get. Um, I don't feel the same way about uh, the High Republic. Um, I'm going to give it another try, like I said. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, there's just so much out there. You don't even know where to start. Um, that includes the comics. I, I actually stopped uh, buying the comics. And uh, I am being very, because of shelf space, I'm being very picky about what I what I decide to get. And I'm sort of waiting uh, to, to see, to, to, to get from Marvel those uh, omnibus collected editions. I, I've been getting, like, the uh, from the library... Uh, the small trade paperbacks that I can read, so at least I can keep up with the story. And then, you know, a year or so from now, when they when they bind all those into an omnibus, maybe I'll, I'll, I'm going to get them. But one, I mean, they're they're doing that nicely with uh, the former Dark Horse comics that have been uh, have been put out as the epic collections uh, through Marvel. But I'm thinking that uh, the next one I'm going to get, like I said, there. I think I mentioned it before in September, uh, the Marvel omnibus, the, uh, the New Republic Volume Two, is going to contain. The uh, the comic adaptations for the the uh, the first you know Zon Thrawn trilogy, as well as the uh, Dark Empire trilogy. So I'm looking forward to that. So that's probably why where I'm going to be heading for or heading towards when it comes to uh, my comic reading. Also, I was considering as well too, um, you know, go online comics. That, that might be the, the easiest way to do it if I, if I just want to be able to like you know read get the story. Um, and, and to be able to have it with ease, that is probably the best way to go about it as well, too. But uh, let me know what you think about that. How do you read your comics? Do you get it uh, digitally? Are you going by, like, issue by issue? Do you get it bounded up by the trade paperbacks? Do you go wait for, like me to buy the, the Omnibus? I'd love to hear what, what, what your thoughts are about that. 
But that's all for today here on this lunch break, coffee break edition of the TJW podcast. Stay tuned for a big announcement from the Traveling Gentleways podcast. Uh, we've got a fun show that's going to be coming up, and I can't wait to tell you about it. So for all of us here at the podcast, have a wonderful day and stay warm. Bye.